Welcome to the Be Kind Podcast with your host, Joe Kirkner, presented by the Animal Advocates of South Central Pennsylvania. Welcome everybody to the Be Kind Podcast, part of the Animal Advocates mission for a more compassionate world for all living creatures. And we're here to discuss whether or not that includes bugs and insects. You may recall we've talked about this in the past, and we're here to revisit it again with some new phrases and some new perspectives. But first, if you haven't already, hop on over to iTunes, Google, Spotify, wherever podcasts are sold, and subscribe to the Be Kind podcast. And if you have any questions or outraged by anything we say or have any concerns or comments or anything or please just email us and let us know you're listening. It would really very much mean a lot to me. Our email address is bekindpodcast at gmail.com. And I'm sure many of you could guess that today I have John join me again. And Seth, who you may recognize from some of our book review series we've done. Hello, hello. So a little context for why we're bringing this discussion back up again is we had done a book review on fishes. We did one on birds. And I figured, what's the next logical thing we could talk about for books? And obviously bugs. And next time we're going to do microbes. Just kidding. That would be very silly. Actually, that's a good idea, Joe. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and so we originally picked a book on bugs. And it turned out to be an encyclopedia, basically, with pretty pictures. And we couldn't finish it so instead we did some other research and now we're just going to talk about our general feelings towards bugs and bring up some ethical concerns that may be plaguing vegans in their activism or just their conscious or any thoughts they may have about insects and how we should treat them while practicing a vegan ethic so seth do you want to take over and talk a little bit about the stuff you've been hearing about and reading uh sure i mean yeah there's obviously this is a very broad topic so i mean there's a lot that we could dig into and dive into um but i i'll talk a little bit about the book that i read because so joe and i both tried to read this uh bug encyclopedia and and we couldn't so then uh we split off and each read a different book joe i believe you read a book about mosquitoes i did and while we're talking about mosquitoes apparently mosquitoes have essentially changed the world in every single major historical event They've ended wars. They've caused wars. They've saved cities. They've destroyed cities. So basically, if you open up your history textbook and point to any chapter, odds are mosquitoes had something to do with it. They've killed so many people in so many ways, like yellow fever and malaria specifically. And they're really just a hugely influential force in our society, which I think speaks to the impact that insects have on the world that we as very anthropomorphic people take for granted. Well, I mean... There's so many countless more insects on planet Earth than any other type of animal. So how could they not be influencing the course of events uh, in our lives, even if we don't recognize it? Um, But I would like to point out, Joe, about the mosquitoes. They're not doing those things on purpose, right? They're not like starting wars and stopping wars like a... like with with a with a moral clarity, are they? No, that would be a fantastic movie, though. Almost like <laughs> a Bug's Life, but much much darker. No, they are just going out there, basically surviving and doing what animals do: is pass on their genes and continue their species. And they just so happen to do that by sucking our blood and giving us very infectious and deadly diseases. Very good. So uh, I'm looking up here right now. 700 million people contract some kind of mosquito-borne disease wow. a year. 
<laughs> so, wow. And, and one million people die every year because of mosquitoes. See, that's no joke. Well, let's put a pin in that, though, for when we come back to how we each deal with insects in our daily lives. Yeah. yeah so, but I, I, I will briefly touch on the book I read, which was called Extraordinary Insects, which was supposed to be, I thought, a book like we had read about birds and fish, and um, but it was fishes. Fishes. Thank you so much, Joe. Um, I hate you, but no, I, <laughs> <laughs> I do appreciate that that public call out. Um, so the, uh, <laughs> the the book about insects that I read though was just painfully boring, and it was really hard to get through. But there were a couple things that I did want to point out um, that fascinated me, and I'll just hit them real quick. Um, did you know insects don't have veins or arteries? Um, although they do have blood, their blood is just sits in their body and they, they pull oxygen into their body through their skin. Yeah. That's not really, really neither here nor there about insects and how they act, but it just fascinated me. That, yeah. That's pretty intriguing actually. So if we were insects, we'd basically be like giant skin water balloons filled with blood. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, well, see, well, the I- insects have the, uh, an exoskeleton, right. so they're, they're protected from like being squishy in that sense right yeah but yeah they i guess they they don't need to circulate their blood it's kind of they're kind of like a sponge in a way mm-hmm. yeah um, and another thing that really got me was um ants ants uh, meet all the criteria that humans use for teaching they teach each other things uh through there's three different criteria that humans use for if something is teaching and ants do that to each other and earwigs Earwigs um, are very affectionate parents, and they raise their young almost like humans do. They they uh, they stay with them, they feed them, they protect them until they're full grown. It's very rare in the insect kingdom, but it does happen. And yeah, just as little facts like that. Um, there's not nearly as much anthropomorphing, anthropomorphizing to do in the insect kingdom because they do act very differently than we do, and it's almost impossible. To find a lot of examples of like, oh, here's where insects, you know, are love each other. They don't do that type of stuff too often. Um, they're very, they're very different than us, which is, I guess, is a big takeaway from my insect book. Mm-hmm. And from the little I read of the encyclopedia book, I think this comes back to something we discussed with the fishes book was that the sheer variety and diversity that exists within the insect kingdom. Right. That is sure. Why not? insane and we have a habit as people of grouping them all together into one giant basically collective insects it's like oh these are bugs but that would be like saying these are terrestrial animals that's by lumping people elephants squirrels dogs cats monkeys snakes reptiles what have you into the same Right, absolutely. Thing. And it's just not the case. Like you just said, there's bugs out there who are great parents. There's bugs out there who are terrible parents. There's bugs out there who have no concept of parents. It's mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's bugs out there that straight up look like quote unquote animals. You know, like you're like you're looking at it, you're like, Oh, what's this weird lizard? Like, oh, actually, that's an insect. I mean there and then there's then you got fruit flies. So it's it's all over the place. So if anyone's listening out there who's an expert on insects we're probably going to be using the term insects and bugs interchangeably and lump, lump them all together and really just not do them justice for their diversity. And for the sake of our discussion today, I want to preface that. And for our sakes, as we talk, we're going to be very general at times in how we discuss these creatures. 
And and all the topics we're about to discuss, we are in no way experts on. We're just some guys talking about it. Yes, so without further ado, I think it's time to go around the room and talk about our bird's eye view of our views on insects or bugs. Bug's eye view? <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be the most specific, tiny view ever? <laughs> well, I guess it depends on the bug. John, why don't you go ahead and how do you, how do you handle insects in your day-to-day life? Yeah, I mean... Uh, in there, I mean, they're obviously living beings, uh, and I do everything I can not to hurt them. Like, if I see something that's in my house, I try and get it out somehow. But obviously, there's some exceptions, like mosquitoes. If I see one on me, mm-hmm. I get, you know, like we were just saying, it's basically <laughs> a war against them because they're out to get us, even though that's not really their intentions. They're trying to just survive like everybody else. But yeah, if I see one on me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get them. Because they're going to give me some kind of disease, probably. So, but all in all, I mean, I love most insects. I think they're awesome. They're very unique and just intriguing to me. So, yeah, I, I like them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, but it's weird because insects are one of the, the only things in human existence that, like, a person will kill an insect just to do it. Right. Like, it's not... Like, if you're sitting in your living room and you see a spider on, on the wall, it's not anywhere near you. It's across the room. It's not threatening you in any way. Mm-hmm. People will actually get up, go over to it, and, and go ex- out of their way. Th- and they'll yeah. extinguish its existence yeah. for no palpable reason. Yeah. Um, and that's the part that really weirds me out. Because to me, and I, you know, I didn't come around to this type of thinking until I was a vegan, and not even really maybe in, until shortly after I was a vegan, but all life is very equal right it's it's a spark of consciousness that it's aware of itself it's it's like it's the universe is aware of itself Mm -hmm. and my conscious awareness is on a par with the conscious awareness of the spider on the wall it's not maybe the same it's it's different in many many ways Uh, and it's different in how i can affect the world i can probably affect the world much more strongly than that spider can. Mm -hmm. But my spark of consciousness is not weighted any heavier than that spider's. And so to extinguish that for no reason is very strange. Mm -hmm. Now, I will say, like you said, you have to, every encounter in your life, you have to weigh the importance of what you're doing. So if a mosquito is biting me, and I judge that to be a danger to me, then in that moment, I might kill that mosquito. Mm -hmm. I mean, certainly, if I'm walking through the woods and I find a tick on me, I might have to kill that tick. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can just flick it off of me if it hasn't bitten me yet. Right. But it's self-defense in that, I mean, it's it's small. These are very small instances of harm or, or potential harm, but it's no real different than having to, I don't know, put somebody in a headlock if they're trying to steal right. my wallet. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, so you got to take it on a case-by-case basis, but I think once you have this philosophy, you'll find that you can actually just live with a lot of insects. Mm-hmm. If you've got a spider in your closet and you just leave it alone and you reconcile the fact that you're living in the world... That you're, you're, you're part of the natural world, even if you're in a man-made home. 
You're right. still part of the natural world, and you can live with a spider in your closet. And once you start to live that way for a while, it's not uncomfortable to live with insects or even mammals right. in, your, in your living space. But now my next follow-up question to that is, when you're walking the woods... You're essentially stepping on countless bugs mm-hmm. as you're walking. Ah, right. That's and a very interesting point, Joe. One can make the argument that by w- choosing to walk in the woods, you're prioritizing your own personal enjoyment over that spark inside the insects that you just described. Well, and this, this brings up a very interesting philosophy. Um, have you guys heard of Jainism? I have heard of it. Uh, I heard of it five minutes ago. When I that. <laughs> You're not supposed to tell people about our pre-show prep show. <laughs> but I, I have heard of it. I just, like I said earlier, like I don't know a whole lot about it, but I have heard of it. Right. But. Well, the, the Jains is a, a sect of Hinduism, and um, and so it's, this is not a cult. Like there are, I don't know how many, but lots of people do this. This mm-hmm. is not like a hundred people that do this. Right. Um, so lots and lots of people are Jains. J A I N. Um, and they will consciously make decisions to say not step in a puddle because the puddle contains microbes and they don't want to disturb them. Right. They don't eat tubers like potatoes and other uh, vegetables that grow underground because they have to pull up the, the plant and disturb the small ecosystem around it. So they only eat plants that grow above the ground like corn and rice and things like that. They don't drink beer because they don't want to ingest the microbes and some of them will even filter all their water before they drink it to filter out the microbes and then pour that water, the filtered aspect back into where it came from. Um, mm-hmm. So the point of that is that there are people who, who do take it to a certain extreme. It is possible to live your life thinking about the, the most minute aspect of life, which is not to say that I live that way, because it's only practical for me in, my, in this version of the life that I'm living to make the decision to not purposefully kill any living animal, which includes insects. But if you want to, you can study, figure out uh, their methods of how you would avoid things like accidentally killing insects. Yeah, I think where I fall on that is similar to you, where it has to be practical. And, and from an activist point of view, I don't think we can go to a event and hand out leaflets advocating for Jainism. If you want to practice Jainism, by all means, have a blast. We could not get the billions of people living on this earth to all practice Jainism in a way that would create a functioning society as we see it now. Granted, Absolutely. it would be amazing if there was a way we could create a society where that was the norm and somehow worked into our everyday way of life. But I don't see that happening anytime soon. Right, but well, my thought is that if there are hundreds of thousands of people, that's a guess, that, that live that way, it should be possible to live to not purposefully kill insects yes i think that is a definitely a valid point and uh, where i land on this is i go through phases where i try really hard not to kill any bugs i don't go out of my way to kill them so i will not go across the room to kill a spider i like spiders they kill other bugs who i like less than spiders and (laughs) save me from an ethical dilemma but another thing we should bring up here is arachnophobia though well i mean yeah if you've got a a genuine right but how do you do that as a vegan like how do you like handle that that's yeah but that'd be I, tough. I don't have that i mean i don't hate spiders or anything like i don't go out of my way but like they do freak me out when i see them i'm like right. but i usually just you know back away but i know some people are so scared that they'll just like 
smash it immediately right just because that's their phobia well i mean if it's a genuine diagnosed phobia that's one thing a lot of people say they have a phobia when what they really have is an unconfronted fear of something right and i think a lot of people think that they're afraid of insects but if they took some time with somebody who wasn't afraid of insects and took some time to really confront what that was and mm-hmm. why they were scared of it and maybe spend some time with some insects, they could get over that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not a psychiatrist, but I'm, no. I'm pretty close to one. So. <laughs> I thought about taking a Psych 101 class once and then read my friend's book. But I, <laughs> I'm i with you on that one, John. I hate spiders, but not in the scared sense, in the I just don't like them crawling on me and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the way I got to that point was I used to be scared of them, but I made my desktop background a giant picture of a spider. So every time I turn on my computer, there's a big old spider staring like at the, me. Like the extreme close-up where they're actually kind of cute? <laughs> <laughs> no, I made sure I picked ones that were scary looking. I actually oh. had to screen them because there were some that were kind of cute with the little sad eyes. Yeah, thing yeah. Going. <laughs> but for mosquitoes, definitely I kill mosquitoes, especially after reading that book. But even like fruit flies... I try not to kill things like fruit flies and house flies if they're buzzing around, but I'm not going to lie to you guys. Sometimes I go out of my way to kill a big old fly flying around my house. Yeah, it, it, it can get pretty hard not to sometimes. And right now I am reading The Expanse series, which is a science fiction book, and this is totally related, so bear with me. And also, spoiler alert, potentially, for The Expanse series. So if you're into it now and you don't want me to spoil anything, Stop right now. Nerd alert. Nerd alert. (laughs) But in this book series, essentially they're in space exploring the wide universe as the human race. And they come across an alien species that is so far removed and above them and can manipulate the universe and planets, environment, thoughts, feelings, just so foreign to humans. But the thing is, they kill humans willy nilly left and right because they just see humans as this weird annoying thing so they'll just squash a whole planet full of people for no reason whatsoever Uh and all the humans are freaking out going oh my god we gotta stop these aliens they're killing us all and the aliens are think don't even register these people because there's not even a blip on their radar and that every time i read it i think of bugs Mm -hmm. because we're going around killing all these bugs maybe they're having huge giant crises families are getting broken apart and all that and we just can't even register it because we're on such a different wavelength right yeah Hmm. well and and about um like fruit flies or things like that. Uh, instances where you've got insects that aren't just like one bug on the wall. Like say you've got ants. I implore people to like just Google like home methods of, of doing away with this problem that doesn't kill them. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's actually really easy usually. Like things like peppermint oil or, or vinegar. Like there's usually like fruit flies you can get rid of by pouring stuff down your drains. I mean it might kill some of them. But it'll just, for the most part, get them to go elsewhere. Right. Yeah, I'm all about you, human, humanely, <laughs> uh, getting rid of pests like that. Like I, I, I John did air quotes when he said. Yeah, that, sorry, you can't see that, yeah. but yeah. totally did that. But yeah, I agree. I, that's the best thing that you can do for you know, any kind of, what you consider a pest. Like just do it. Humanely. Yeah. There's ways to persuade them to leave rather than just yeah. kill them. And you might have to live with them for a couple of days or a week right. or more. Because they have to figure out that this is a problem for them and they need to get out. Right. Yeah. yeah. I guess we should talk about the increase and in the hipness of the current use of 
insect protein across the globe. You use that word hipness very um, boldly. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bold man. Fortune favors me, sir. Uh, well, so yeah, lately, the last couple of years, uh, the global consumption of insects as a protein source has uh, really, really skyrocketed, uh, even to the point that it's becoming somewhat commonplace here in the United States, which you know means it's serious because Americans don't eat bugs usually. So, I mean, you're not seeing a lot of um, actual dead bugs, but you can find insect protein a lot of places. The McBug coming from McDonald's. <laughs> <Right>. mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you. But yeah, sure. Throughout throughout the world, um, especially in in cultures where e- eating insects was already accepted, mm-hmm. um, it's really exploded. With the the reason being that it is better for the environment than livestock. Um, so I thought maybe we should touch on that. I thought about this a lot because we recently had a couple interviews with our friends over at Faunalytics, and a lot of the ways they analyze the impact of our food choices is the number of lives lost, Uh. the number of animals killed for our consumption. And so they looked at it and actually found that a lot of these food choices that we advocate for as vegans, like fish and seafood, we don't advocate for it, but you go to a fair and you say go vegan they go well i'm almost vegan i just eat fish every once in a while and we say that's great well actually it's terrible because seafood reduces the most amount of lives lost and i'm thinking bugs would be exponentially worse than that Mm. you would kill probably an incomprehensible amount of bugs to create these bug meats well i read and i don't know if it's true but i read that it would take um a thousand crickets to get the protein from one pound of beef that's a lot of crickets. I don't. It sounds. It sounds ridiculous, but I read it at some reputable website. I don't remember where, but I mean that makes sense. I mean, they're t- small, right? So yeah, I just, I yeah, I mean, it doesn't I, seem very practical to me. I could eat back in the day. I could pound down a pound of steak pretty easily. Hmm. I cannot see myself eating one thousand crickets. Well, you wouldn't eat the actual crickets. They would be processed into something else. Like a, it would look like a slab of tofu or something. So is there a lot of air crickets? Pro- yes. <laughs> I'm not sure how it works to, to process insects and extract. What you hear always is the protein, because apparently that's all that the insect, eating the insect is really good for, is getting the protein. Right. So you're really just equating like the grams of protein that you get from eating an insect to, to eating a tra- traditional quote meat source a lot of the, so the 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 reasoning the argument for it it's you know you can you hear the, the argument like it's better for the environment well, what does that mean so you can rear insects some insects on or darn near anything so you don't have to grow crops at all for the most part to get crickets because crickets can live on basically trash so there there's this very strong push from the environmental perspective to say, okay, there's a lot more lives lost. Okay, sure. But not only it doesn't it not hurt the environment, but we're darn near helping it. Now, there's also been some research that says insects that are raised that way, because they can eat trash. You can raise them on trash, mm-hmm. um, but uh, they're not the same as crickets you raise on corn. So you raise crickets on actual food, and they're they're like much more robust. They got like seventy percent more protein content. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, there's all these different little avenues you can look at the problem from. Hmm. The environment only matters because it's keeping things alive. <laughs> so right. if you're killing things to save the environment so it can keep things alive, but you're killing things to keep it around, isn't mm-hmm. that kind of defeating the point? Right, and please don't misunderstand me, anyone. I'm not arguing for no, these, I know, but I know. I'm, I'm presenting the debate as it exists, and it, which right. is, it's complicated for us because it can sound... It's hard for us to argue out of sometimes, but that's a very good point, Joe. I mean, what are we saving the environment for? We're certainly not saving it for the crickets, right? Yeah, that's like saying I'm going to kill everyone in the city because the people in the city are contributing to the city being destroyed. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Well, it just comes to what people value. I mean, people don't value insects. Um, You know, they're small. They're so small, and they're so different looking from us, and they seem to operate on such a different wavelength that I think people see them as essentially disposable. Hmm. If I had an option to eat a bug-based hamburger... I probably would not. It's because I feel like it's a slippery slope as vegans, and once you open that door, you can start justifying things. And and if you had a, if you had the, uh, well, actually, oh, so hard, Seth. <laughs> I don't know if the impact of eating traditionally produced plant-based products is worse than the impact of eating bugs. Right, well, how, and that—that's the problem when it comes to environmental discussions. How are we supposed to know? Right. I mean, I—I I work, you know, at an online thrift shop in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I mean, I—I I don't have access to high-level uh, environmental data, mm-hmm. and uh, nor do I have the brain that could sort and sift through the different data points and figure out which one is the victor. I—I'm not capable of that. I'm going to lean on the phonolytics idea and say that the number of lives lost to produce this bug-based food would, I'm guessing, exceed the number of lives lost to grow plants. So in, if that being the case, I would choose the plants. Agreed. I mean, I, I come back, I always have to come back to the philosophy I outlined earlier about consciousness. I mean, I can't in good conscience make decisions that would wipe out the spark of hundreds of thousands or even one creature sometimes might me making that decision be the wrong decision for the planet. It might be, but I have no way of knowing. How do I know that? I'd, so I have to make the decision with my heart and my gut rather than try to sit down with a graphing calculator and figure out which decision actually benefits, has the best carbon footprint. I, I don't know how to do that. Make sure you return that calculator at the end of the school year. Otherwise, you won't get your report card. That's, that's absolutely right. That, and that's the Texas Centrum. It's, so, you know, it's a really, that's a, that's a good one. I had a thought and I lost it. So I'm going to keep talking until I remember it. It's always a good idea. Oh, um, so back to the idea of killing insects with the justification being for the greer good. Right. Invasive species. Oh. We're in Pennsylvania, and oh. the spotted lanternfly is a thing. It's We're in York right now, but I've been going over to Lancaster every once in a while, and when you go over to Lancaster, there's these spotted lanternflies everywhere. And judging off the posters I've seen in our York County parks, much love York County parks, what, what? The <laughs> these spotted lanternflies are apparently bad for the forests and plants and hurt certain kinds of trees and things, and they always advocate to kill these flies and i don't know where i fall on it 
Yeah, neither do I. John? Same. <laughs> <laughs> Good talk, guys. Yeah. <laughs> now we have this conversation. <laughs> so I think it comes back to a lot of the things we talked about before where I, I have... Well, geez, this is, yeah, this is so hard. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, here, here's how I've always thought about it, but this is just a guy thinking about things. I am in, in no way educated on this type of science or biology, but who decides that something's invasive like where does that cut like before humans were around species moved around the globe now they did it slower because they didn't have the species like humans with airplanes and boats moving mm-hmm. around super quickly that would that would speed this process up right but, but animals have always moved changed their environment and whenever they do Havoc has ensued. I mean, that happens before we were around. Humans have sped up the process, mm-hmm. but it's not that spotted lanternfly's fault right. that we have done it. So, if the spotted lanternfly is chewing through, you know, the telephone lines, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know what it's doing, but it's doing. It's if it's hurting the infrastructure. Uh, I mean, I don't know what the solution is, but I'm not going to kill any animal because of it. Yeah, I think it comes down to we are essentially saying that this tree that this fly is hurting is worth more than this fly because we said so. Right, exactly. Uh, call me crazy, but I don't think the world's going to end because the spine lantern fly destroys all these trees. Granted, it may be less conducive to human pleasure, joy, or even on a practical level, mm-hmm. but the world will keep spinning. Natural life will keep on going. And here's here's a bombshell for you guys. Aren't humans the invasive species? Oh! Absolutely. He went there, he did it. (laughs) As to Seth was saying, we are constantly putting ourselves into environments where there's no competition. We can just do whatever we want and destroy everything. Mm -hmm. I read an article in the paper today that climate change is irreversible right now, apparently. Yay, we did it, guys. Even if we become carbon neutral, damage is done. So if the spotted lanternfly is invasive and it's going to wreak havoc... I don't know how or why that happened. I didn't look into this, but I'm almost certain it's because of us. Mm-hmm. There's because if we didn't cause it, then it's just the natural world changing. The only like you hear a lot about. Um, oh, I forget the name of it. This would have made me sound so smart. But there's a type of fish that's very invasive in the Great Lakes, and it's ruining the Great Lakes ecosystems. And they they keep calling it invasive, and you know, please everybody kill all these fish. Um, but it's only it's only happened because of us because mm-hmm. we transported this fish from where from its natural right. quote unquote natural environment to a new one. Um, this fish didn't wasn't like wake up one day and they were like, "Hey guys, let's go to a new lake." <laughs> it was like, no, they don't, they don't know where they came from. They're just right. like that's where they're at. So, inv- they're not an invasive species. They're a species we moved. Whether whether we moved them, whether it was people like moving them on purpose or whether it's like the spotted lanternfly that maybe was a, a quote-unquote hitchhiker is a method that they call these where they'll like get on a plane or on a boat right and then they just move around so how did they how did that fish get there that's what I'm <laughs> well it's got something to do with the saint lawrence seaway which is this complicated system of <laughs> you know everything but the name of the fish <laughs> It's a complicated system of waterways that connects the the Great Lakes, and there's a couple man-made spots in there, and um, some of them where there's like dams with that open and close, mm-hmm. and um, we, I mean, the, this fish got through 
a place that we made right and moved between lakes or or, or water <clears throat> waterways gotcha so we didn't actually transport the fish it just snuck in it's it, it snuck in but but via a way that would not have existed in the natural right. world yeah but it sounds like it probably was something similar would have existed at some point given the way the world kind of right but we right, spent yeah. it yeah right yeah probably like you were saying before so I think to try and wrap this all in a nice environmentally friendly bubble made of sustainable plastics or recycled goods, I, where I fall on this is I cannot in good conscience assign value to living creatures and the expense of another living creature's life. So that is why I do my best to avoid killing bugs regardless of the perceived negative outcome they will have on the environment as i see it yeah if i can get a little high level on here a little a little philosophical again but um any creature that's alive that has consciousness is and i don't mean this in a religious sense but it's a miracle that is the universe looking at itself i mean that's crazy right i mean a rock can't do that you know like the, the sun can't do that but here on Earth, and maybe other places, probably other places, certain things have happened where molecules get together and become aware of themselves. Stomping on that is shameful. That's all I have to say about that. John? I agree. I mean, that's that's a great way to look at it. I agree with that. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I love all insects and everything, but yeah... <laughs> When it comes to, like, my life being at risk, you know. Right. I mean, I don't want to kill people either, but I'd, I'd shoot somebody in the head if they were about to shoot me in the head. Right. 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 So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't purposely go out of my way to do it, but if it's happening, I, you know, I have to do something. But, yeah, I, I, I think all animals should have the right to exist. So, there's that. And I'm going to have the caveat here that if, for some reason, your way of living right now involves harming insects and that is just how you feel the need to live your life i don't want you to feel ashamed or embarrassed or feel like you're not living up to your ethics you gotta do whatever you gotta do to make it through the day but just us personally here at this table these are our own personal viewpoints and our ways of living i couldn't agree more joe it's all a continuum or a timeline of trying to just do the best you can and i mean not everyone's at the same place and not everyone is going to end up at the same place, but you just make every decision the best you can. Yeah, I think it sounds like a great place to leave off. Sounds good. Yeah, well, everyone, thanks for listening. And if you want to email us your thoughts about bugs and insects or tell us how we are wildly off base on some of these ideas we threw out there, send us an email, bekindpodcast at gmail.com. Bye. Three, two, one. Meow 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 meow